Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Jaren Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. He's not Big Ben of 10 years ago, right? He, he's not the guy who can just have people hanging all over his lower body, hitting him up top, and he's just kind of still making miraculous throws. He knows that. He'll admit that. But that's okay because some of the things that he can't do physically, he can do mentally now, being one step ahead. And he still has enough arm strength and horsepower to be able to get the ball where he needs to get it to. So I wouldn't doubt him as long as they are able to be an efficient well-balanced multiple offense, which again doesn't mean that they have to be a top 10 rushing team. They just need to be able to rush it for four plus when they need to. If they can do that, the defense is always going to be good, so sure. They're always going to be in the mix to win championships and deal with the other better teams in the AFC like Buffalo, like KC, and they're going to be just fine. So yeah, he's in a good place mentally. He's in as good of a place physically as you can be after this much time in the NFL. And Pittsburgh is still Pittsburgh, and I, I expect them you know, in the short term to show that tonight. Well, they didn't. <laughs> that was before uh, last night's game uh, from Lewis Riddick. As we continue to hear more about uh, Lewis Riddick, who's now a candidate for the Jasville Jaguars uh, GM position. So he'll be interviewed this week, uh, according to many reports. So uh, we're asking a little bit about Lewis Riddick. How do you feel about him? We get mixed thoughts on that. Is this, okay. is, is this the third team that he's interviewed with? Or is yeah, second? Uh, Lions and Texans. And Texans, okay. Uh, so that's at least I think that's been the only public team. Uh, yeah. Publicly, that's the only teams that he's been. Um, is there any benefit to not making it public and kind of going behind the scenes a little bit and not announcing it? Uh, I think this is kind of the new wave. It's like it's going to get out anyway. So now the organizations basically just say, yeah, we're going to, we have interviewed. They usually do it after the fact, right? Not like, hey, we are interviewing. But I think Houston came out and said, hey, today we interviewed Lewis Riddick. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if they've come out and said, I think, did they interview uh, Jim Caldwell, uh, former Colts coach? They might have. They I were think, talking about, I'm not sure, but I actually went yeah, down. Yeah, they might have said that. But like their, their Twitter handle has put that out, mm-hmm. you know, on the Riddick stuff. And so it's an interesting, um, I, I think Denver kind of changed that game years ago with Elway when they brought people in and they actually like posted stuff uh, from the interviews, like not not anything crazy, but yeah. they actually showed you a little bit behind the scenes. They were way more transparent, you know, and that's a that's a way I thought this organization was going here in Jacksonville to be way transparent. And then, bam, Coughlin comes in and Fort Knox is here again, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, the secrets of the NFL are like, oh, my gosh, you can't know what's going on here. Mm-hmm. This is we are reinventing the wheel every day. Yeah. You know, but I think people also have such knowledge and interest now that transparency wins the day in a lot of the organizations. And I think the Jags organization is kind of going back to that uh, a bit. And, and we'll see. I think they have been under Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell this past year. A lot more availability. Uh, you know, Doug joins some of the shows on Jaguars.com and a lot of that, that information um, is pushed out there through their website. But uh, for a while there, it didn't. Like, it was tracking that way, then stopped, and now back again. So it'll be interesting to see if the Jags comment at all if they, if and when they do finalize the interview mm-hmm. uh, with uh, Lewis Riddick and, and others uh, along the way. This process is now underway in earnest, um, obviously, here in Jacksonville. What would you ask? Uh, I think it was Blake Moore who says, this is an interesting question. I, I said, what would you ask a GM candidate? Not just Lewis Riddick, but what would you ask a GM candidate? What kind of questions do you need to know to feel good? Because, again, this isn't a head coach that has a resume mm-hmm. like that of a record. This is a GM or maybe even a guy that hasn't been a GM yet. So what are you asking? I think is an interesting um, 
kind of way to view this. And Blake Moore on, on social media, I don't know if he was on Facebook or YouTube where he asked, but he said, I would ask outside a quarterback, what three positions are you prioritizing in the draft going forward for this football team? You know, not, not in general, not like, hey, corner, left tackle, uh, defensive end, like everybody says. Yeah. But for this football team, what would you prioritize? That's a good question, I think. Yeah, it's not a bad question at all. Um, if I'm running the meeting, obviously the first thing is what do you, what do you look for in a quarterback? Right, and and who do you like this year? Um, an up and coming draft. Now, obviously, if the Jaguars have the number one pick, it's a pretty easy decision, right? You're getting Trevor Lawrence, so it could be an easy question. But then, what else? I get into a little bit, and I'm going to piggyback off of what you just said. Um, and who's? I'm sorry, I probably should get some credit Blake here. Moore, yeah. Blake Moore. Yeah. So, what was the exact quote again? Just so I, I don't, I don't have it. I just oh. paraphrased it. I don't <laughs> care about exact quotes. Okay. Well, uh, it was basically outside a quarterback. What positions, what positions would you prioritize? Yeah, I, I would ask him to break down this roster right now, how how he sees it, and what he would do to improve it. That's and then I would get into where do you see this roster right now schematically? What would you do going forward? Because I get it, he's not a head coach, but you're a talent evaluator, and I want my talent evaluator to put these players in the best position to succeed. So if you're sitting down in front of me and I'm Shad Khan and I go to you, hey, how can we maximize you know the potential of our personnel? You got to answer that question. Okay, because you have to know the X's and O's as well. Once again, you're not a head coach, but you got to set these guys up for success. That's interesting. That's a good call, right? I mean, you're basically saying, hey, what would you like? What should a head coach come in here and be with the talent that we already have? Therefore, what more talent are we going to add to that? That three, four scheme? What are we missing? If we're going to run a three, four, what are we missing? Mm -hmm. You know, where are we deficient? Uh, because, to be honest with you, Blake's question of prioritizing three positions, and, and I'm not here to be interviewed. I, I'm more interested in the questions. But that's a, it's a great question because I think most people would say, initially, interior of the defensive line. I think some would say then secondary, but others might say tight end. I believe firmly one of their three positions should be a pass catcher of some, like a weapon on offense. Mm-hmm. So a pass catcher of some kind, tight end or receiver. Uh, to to make your offense even more dynamic. And then uh, there's always people that will just every answer to this question is always offensive line. And I understand that's fine. Like people think the Jags are deficient at the tackle spot. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they're as deficient as other people do, but I think it's a fair point. Uh, you know, and it looks like there's a little regression at times, even on Jawan Taylor's side. He hasn't had the greatest of years, but you're not going to replace that. You've invested in him. You're probably going to give him another chance. Cam Robinson's the big question. And actually, I would I would look at that. I'd probably ask one of those questions. What do you see in a guy like Cam Robinson? How do you view that? He's in a contract year. Mm-hmm. Is that somebody you're going to – are you going to make a hole there by just letting him walk mm-hmm. or and, and address it in the draft or free agency? Or do you give him a contract and, and say there's enough to build on there, and I think the, the ceiling he's still chasing? Mm-hmm. So I think those are fair questions. But, again, that's a football-heavy question. But I kind of want to know that from the GM coming in. Where do you see? Because we don't have a lot of big contracts in Jacksonville to give out. But Cam Robinson might be one that you're going to invest in from a dollar standpoint. Yeah, he would command a little bit of money. The the other thing, I, I guess what I would ask if I was, what worked, if I'm shod, what I'm interested in is mm-hmm. what worked for this organization from 16 to 17 to take a big jump was the accumulation of more good players, at least for that year. Listen, Fournette helped them that year, you know. 
but really was the free agent targets. Would you want to spend the money now? Do you think we're on the doorstep enough to spend and go get three or four big free agents? Or should we just get one or two and build toward 2022? Yeah. yeah so right. Like what? That's part of your plan that you're asking him. But, but yeah. where do you fit the spending in that plan? Listen, I believe he was in Philadelphia when they assembled the dream team in that secondary and defensive line. And we saw that turned out. So I understand next year you're going to have a lot of money in the salary cap. But if I'm Lewis Riddick, I'm answering that question. I got to make sure I have the guys to be successful. Like free agency was put in place to when you have a successful team or when you need a leader here or a pillar here, you can get those guys. But the last thing I want to do is spend so much money when I'm not even sure what we got yet. Like I'm going to spend money when I know that we're a couple guys away from getting the playoffs and making some noise there. I'm not going to spend all my revenue on guys that I'm not sure about and then going to say, well, hey, let's go to the playoffs. Like, no, you you have to have the base in place first. And when the base is in place, when the goal is in place, and when the vision is in place – then you get your free agent guys, your high price guys. Now maybe you get one or here or there, but you don't spend the whole the, the whole farm on it right now. You know, we're leaving an obvious one out. What do you look for in a head coach? Mm-hmm. Like what makes a great head coach? We are going to hire a coach. Who do you need to work with? What are the qualities that make a great coach in your opinion? Mm-hmm. And that is an important piece of this puzzle, a big part of this puzzle. Uh, do you ha- we need I'm assuming a guy like Lewis Riddick would answer or any candidate would answer. Well, we need to go step and step here. You know, we need to be on the same page. Mm-hmm. But then I would follow up to that if I'm shot and Tony and Mark Lamp and whoever else is in there is like, well, do you need a certain personality to work with? Right. This, yeah, no, for sure. This is why having a former player who's interviewing for a GM is the benefit. Because he knows what makes a great coach, right? Like, he, he's been in those locker rooms. He's been around that culture. It's one thing if you bring in, like, a scout who's now a GM or even, like, Theo Epstein who's never been around the game of football. Like, they don't understand. They haven't been in the locker rooms. They don't know the difference between a great coach and just an okay coach. And I think the biggest thing about a coach, especially from a player's perspective, is he genuine. Because there's some coaches out there. I'm not going to put anybody on blast. Right. But there's some coordinators that I played for, uh, maybe a head coach that I played for where it's a facade. It's fake. Yeah, it's it's not real. And players can see through that. And that takes about a month to figure that out. Maybe not even all it takes is a month and the players lose their trust in you and you never have that, you know, simpatico relationship, let's just say. And, yeah, sure, maybe you win games here or there, but you don't win the big one with that. So I think Lewis Riddick would have the advantage there because he's been in those locker rooms. He knows the dynamics. Now, keep in mind, he hasn't been in there for a while, but at the same time, the NFL, it's half old school coaches. seems like half new school coaches. So I feel like he's got a good idea of what kind of coach he would want. Here's what, here's a question I would ask. We'll, we'll, we'll shut this off. I mean, we could ask questions all day, right? And it's probably a several-hour interview. Mm-hmm. But here's a question like I would I don't know if there's a right answer to this question, but I'd love to hear the response to this question. Assuming, at least right now, we're going to take Trevor Lawrence with number one pick. Or let's just say we get the number two pick because, by the way, the Jags have guaranteed the number two pick. And you take, pick your quarterback, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, whatever. We're taking a franchise quarterback, okay? Hey, your first job is easy. 
Yeah. Your first pick in the 2021 draft is well, easy. Hey, you're hey, going hey, quarterback. No, you're going quarterback, but after Trevor Lawrence, in my opinion, it gets harder. It gets harder. You're right. Yeah. But, but I know that position. You're mm-hmm. going quarterback mm-hmm. one way or another. I would I would be very interested to ask somebody in the from head coaching and GM interviews. Is it more important, in your opinion, to surround that young QB early on with line play, weapons, the et cetera, good offensive mind, Mm -hmm. or build up the deficient defense that has been so porous Mm -hmm. and, and, and give them a shot in every game because your defense is pretty good. Yeah. You know, so I'd be interested to see like the biggest deficiency on the Jags right now is their defense. Correct. Right. So that's the point of my question would be like, Hey, you build up, you, you fix the defense. That's so bad. Yeah. Or do you continue to pile onto the offense around a young man we're investing in? Listen, and, and I, that, to me, that question's easy. I answered, I, I go with both because I have the revenue to go with both. Okay. I have the draft capital to go with both. So I'm going with both. Like, obviously, that first round pick, the, the you know, the top pick or number two pick, that's going to the quarterback position. That's on offense. Then from there, I, I evaluate. I say, well, we need a three technique. There's a three technique that's there in the draft. I'm taking him. I'm analyzing free agent wide receivers possibly. I'm analyzing free agent three techniques and so on and so on. So I understand like you have to have a priority. Do you fix the offense or the defense? You can fix both of them. You have the draft capital. You have the free agent money to do that. Why not do it? Yeah, I'm fine with your answer, but I still want a direction first. The most because imp- what I'm getting at is what's the most important part for me to be a champion? You know, what's the most important part for me to build? And and it, listen, we cannot. What I would like that answered, in my opinion, is we can't be complacent just because we feel like we have some nice pieces around on offense, right? We we have. We have some pieces. This, this guy could come in, and you don't even need to make some changes, and he might be pretty good. Yeah. We want to make that guy great, no, and I yeah. want to support him with greatness. You know, And if we feel like there's deficiency along the, the line, he's our most prized investment. We're going to support him with maybe it's a left tackle in free agency, whatever he feels like. But I, I feel like I need to hear that. Or if I say – I would answer it this way. If I'm bringing in Robert Sala to work with me, I think he he's a defensive guy. Correct. He needs to build that defense, too. And so I think we need to fix this thing. You can't have a defensive coach with a porous defense. No, without a doubt. But are we talking about the GM here? We're talking about the head coach. Well, no, I'm talking about the GM. Yeah. So, but I'm still talking about the GM. But I want my, I want those answers. I, I no, want to know where we're thinking listen, on it. And the easiest, once again, I mean, it's like I think I'm getting interviewed right now. Well, that's kind but, of the idea. Yeah, I got you. But if I'm Lewis Riddick and I get asked, what do you focus on first, the offense or defense? I tell you straight up, I'm like, that's a horrible question. Because if you want to win a Super Bowl, and that's why I'm here in the first place, right? We're trying to bring a Lombardi Trophy to Jacksonville. It's all about complimentary football, all right? Even the Kansas City Chiefs play complimentary football. The past couple of Super Bowl winners have played complimentary football. So if I just focus on making this the best offense as possible, we will not win a Super Bowl. And if I come out the gates and say our offense is fine, we got to focus on the three technique, um, you know, maybe another corner, a safety, things like that, and I focus on the defense, you're not going to win either. The whole point is you have to rebuild the whole thing, in my opinion, at the same time. Because it's one thing to have a dynamic offense. And it's one thing to have a legit, you know, in-your-face, smash-mouth defense. That's fine. But if you want to get to the next level and win a Super Bowl, 
You need both those things that feed off each other. So I'm playing complimentary football. Yeah, that's great. But if I'm Shad Khan, Mark Lamping, Tony Khan, whoever else is in that room, I'm like, okay. <laughs> hey, Lewis, I get it, man. I understand. That's the end goal. But it's in 2021. No. In 2021, Dude, we ain't winning a Super Bowl. Like, we know so- where we're at. We're not winning a Super Bowl in 2021. If you're Shad Khan and you're Tony Khan, you tell me that, that I'm walking out. That I'm not going to work for you because it, it, no, I'm I'm serious because okay. because it, no, I mean if you're so hell bent on saying I can't fix both at the same time, then forget it. Like what, what am I doing here? My job as a GM is to manage a roster, is to manage personnel, and you mean to tell me you're looking for an answer where I have to fix the defense first and then we go to the offense, or I got to fix the offense first and then we go to the defense? Absolutely not, man. Well, I not, can do both. It's not one versus the other. It's priority. Yes. What's your priority? Three technique. To answer your question, because they don't have a three technique right now. So if, if you want the answer, I have to address the three technique. I would also ask this one last question for sure before I left the interview room. Yeah. What is your identity? Sure. What is the identity of this football team going to be for the next okay. five years? Mm-hmm. Again, very, I understand. You're building toward a championship. But, hey, hey, Lewis, you do, we think you're going to win a Super Bowl. We love the fact you're going to win a Super Bowl. But in 2021, ha, we get it. We're not winning a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Like, so what's your identity of the football team that needs to be established now that in 15 months and in 30 months I go back and say, this is the Jacksonville Jaguars? Right? And I'm so, not looking for an answer necessarily here. I'm yeah. just saying i got to ask that question. What's the identity of a Lewis Riddick-led franchise? See, this is a, yeah, I get that. But is, do you think that's more of a head coach question? It might though? be, but then yeah. this is what I want in my head coach. Again, this What's, is what, this, okay, if yeah, I'm yeah, loser, yeah, I got like, you. this okay. is what I want. This is the way I envision it. Now, you might even say that, hey, head coach is probably going to establish a lot of this identity, mm-hmm. but this is what we need in the head coach to build this identity. Yeah. You know? Uh, and, and by the way, this has become an easier question, and in two weeks we'll find out. Mm-hmm. But the identity of this football team now has turned into potentially Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. And so it's an easier answer. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think the term identity, that's more of a head coach thing. But if I'm Shad Khan, I'm sitting in that meeting, and I want to get kind of his basis of how he feels about the identity going forward, I would ask him this question. What type of players do you think that we need to bring in to win a Super Bowl? What type of players are on your radar? Personality, skill set, all those things that you think can help us win a Super Bowl. Because if you answer that question, that can kind of give you an idea of the type of head coach that you want to go after as well. Teal Pocalypse says, uh, I would ask him what positions he'll be addressing after Trevor to compliment him and how he would look to build a championship franchise around him. Uh, if he even slightly wavers, he can... Get out of here. <laughs> I won't say exactly what he said, but right. uh, get out of here. So uh, it, it, it will be – I think I, I want to hear uh, – I want to hear – if I'm looking for something that I want to hear, <laughs> I want to hear I'm building around Trevor Lawrence if Trevor Lawrence is our guy. Sure. You know, I, I, in some capacity and how we're doing it. Like where are we deficient? Where can we be great? Mm-hmm. You know, where can we be great around Trevor Lawrence? And, and I think that will be an important part of it. it but, it, you know, I think you're not wrong, though, in saying some of the questions for a GM might morph into a head coach. But if mm-hmm. I want my guys on the same page, they should be able to answer the similar questions. No, they have and, to. And by the way, their, their answers don't need to definitely align. You're going to have some different philosophies. I understand that. Mm-hmm. I don't need two guys walking that much in sync. Mm-hmm. You know, you want some conversation. But 
my point being, like, if I have, I understand the identity comes from the head coach most likely, mm-hmm. but I would like that GM to answer what should the identity look like? Like, what what would you like it to look like? Where has it been successful mm-hmm. when it looks like this? You know, mm-hmm. um, and again, you know, we have we've done this. We we have in terms of fixing the Jags, which I'm by the way working on a little bit of an article on that. But nice, uh, nice. Identity is is probably at the top of the list. Communication <laughs> is near the top of the list. Yeah. That focal point of who is doing this stuff is near the top of the list. These are things we're talking about. So, uh, Jags have to get this right. Yeah. I mean, the Jags, they, they just, they have to get, whoever the heck's in that room has to get it right. And, uh, it'll be very interesting to follow who else they bring in. Remember, they can't talk to anybody who's currently employed until following the season. So that's going to be a busy January 4th to whenever. Well, uh, in, in terms of getting the Ed Dodds of the world or the, the San Francisco guy or the uh, the uh, Kansas City guy, the guy in Baltimore, Pitts, these next up and comers. Or, or even now we found out that a guy, I don't know how this one works, but I believe it probably works the same. John Dorsey is, this, that came out this week that he's actually helping the Eagles. Yeah. So because he's employed by the Eagles, I would assume that nobody else can talk to him about a GM job until after the season. Yeah. It, it makes a big deal, though, about being after the season because that's when we're going to know if the Jaguars are getting Trevor Lawrence or not. Because I feel like in terms of, and you've been very adamant about this, how attractive a job is. Well, if you're a general manager in the NFL, the biggest thing you're, you're tied to and the biggest thing on your resume is how you select the quarterback position. If the Jaguars get Trevor Lawrence, well, that's a pretty easy gig then. Right, like I mean, that's that that makes the job a lot more appetizing. True. If you have the choice now, because you're picking second of Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, maybe a Trey Lance, uh, now you're a little more stressed out. Now about the it. pressure's on. Now the pressure's on. So that's an important date, right? Like the, that final game of the season when the interviews start going down, like that's important. And I think if the Jaguars have Trevor Lawrence, they could possibly get their pick of the litter. But if you don't. That makes things more difficult. What a pivot, huh? I mean, it's amazing, really. That's how much is on the line here for even the next person that comes in here. Mm -hmm. There's no pressure on finding your next quarterback Mm -hmm. if the Jags are picking first. There's no pressure. Mm -hmm. There's a ton of it if you're picking second or anywhere else. Now it would be second. So if you're picking second, there's a ton of it. That is how big these next couple weeks are, really, in Jacksonville. The biggest issue to me, though, from the GM position is like, I sit here and say, if the Jaguars get Trevor Lawrence, they probably have their pick of the litter at the GM position. But it's the GM position. Like, to me, there's not one GM out there that's, like, above the rest where it's like, oh, we got to get that guy. Like, how can you not build a team around that guy? Yeah. D- depending how the meeting is going, everything is going to decide who the GM is. But I'm saying, yes, it's, it's a very appetizing job. But at the same time, there's not one guy have another guy. I still you know what I'm think, saying? Yeah, I still think the coach comes first in this process. I think they're available to to get GMs right now. But I believe the figurehead of this organization going forward is going to be the head coach. And I think he then helps pick, pick the GM. He's now in those meetings most likely to, to interview so, the GMs. So you think the Jaguars hire head coach first before the GM? Okay. Yeah, I okay. do. I understand they fired the GM first. Yeah. But somebody brought up a good point to me today, and and I wondered about that. And and somebody said, well, it might just be showcasing all these head coaches that you're going to get to pick the GM. Yeah. You know, keep in mind, Matt Rule. 
got the job. They just fired the GM. He's going to get to pick the GM or help pick the GM. Absolutely. Right? Even after being with that GM for a year. Mm-hmm. So that's where the power structure is leaning toward. And mm-hmm. I'm okay with that, uh, depending on who you get. Uh, more to come on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Thanks for uh, hanging out with us. Kyle Trask is going to play in the bowl game. Good decision or not? Next. Brent Martineau. But we could really take this show off the rails if we wanted to go all, like, half politics, half sports. Austin Lane. I mean, have you been on Twitter lately? Do you you want $100,000, extra $100,000? Do you want a scholarship? Let's go. (laughs) Politics. We get back here. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. You know, at some point in time, you have to say whether or not a team in the franchise has turned the corner. I think they've turned the corner. I think Cleveland announced and showed that they have the right stuff. And they are still going to have to learn how to win big games on a much more consistent basis against the big boys. And they'll do that. They'll do that. And they'll do that because they have a GM who's aligned with the head coach, a head coach who now has gotten found that sweet spot with the quarterback, a quarterback who is connecting with the rest of the team, the offense in particular, uh, the wide receivers and tight ends specifically. They have two very good running backs. They're built from the inside out. The offensive line is strong. The defensive line is strong. They have a guy on the defensive line who's going to be up for defensive player of the year. Do they still need reinforcements? Sure. Lewis Riddick. Pittsburgh Steelers, man. Listen, you got a lot of talent on that team. All right? You got a lot of talent at the wide receiver position. I think Big Ben... Um, is still serviceable. Your running game's a little weak right now. But the problem with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I've said this now for the past four or five weeks when they started the trend of passing more, and I get it, injuries are a thing, right? And sometimes to cope with those injuries, you got to change who you are a little bit. But like, I don't think Benny Snell is the worst backup running back in the entire NFL. So you still got to pound the rock. And if you can't pound the rock, then you got a problem. Because that's Pittsburgh Steelers football. Regardless of the wide receiver talent that you have, you've always been known. And your identity has always been a physical brand, a tough brand, and a brand that wins the trenches. And when you pass 50 times a game and maybe Ben Roethlisberger throws three or four touchdowns, that's fine. But you don't establish the run and you don't win the trenches by passing. You win the trenches by running the ball. And that's the biggest problem right now with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I've been very adamant about this. If they can't figure that part of the game out, you're not going to go far in the playoffs. Simple as that. Like, listen, I understand this city, and pretty much me in general, does not like to talk about the Tennessee Titans. But the Tennessee Titans were my favorite to win this AFC South division, despite Phillip Rivers and, you know, all the hype regarding the Colts, and this could be their year. And keep in mind, there's still some football games left to play. But where they sit right now, I like the Titans. Just because through this whole thing, right? And keep in mind, their identity, too, is playing great defense. And they're not really doing that so much right now. A lot of teams aren't doing that. But their identity has always been running the football. And when you have Derrick Henry, the best running back in the league right now, you can do that. So despite, you know, like what teams are surging, what teams are falling off right now, and if you're trying to put some money down on what, you know, that your playoff favorite teams and all that stuff, I just look at one thing. Who is the closest to their identity right now? 
right? I think the Rams are still trying to figure things out a little bit. I think the Seahawks, truth be told, are trying to figure things out a little bit. Green Bay Packers, to me, seem right on track. So just go by team by team. The Buffalo Bills, all of a sudden their defense is playing better now. They're still pounding the rock. Josh Allen, though, is making that next step forward as a pretty legit quarterback. All you got to do is look at a team's identity. Do they know who they are entering the playoffs? Then I like their chances to win. The teams that don't know who they are, that don't stick to their brand of football, are going to lose. Simple as that. And that's why um, when we did our you know preseason uh, predictions, I like the Kansas City Chiefs again because maybe next to, I don't know, maybe next to the Buffalo Bills, maybe next to the Green Bay Packers, but like the Kansas City Chiefs, they know who they are. They've done what they've done, and they're not changing now. That is a team right now that has embraced itself with identity. Now, don't get, don't get it twisted. No one else can copy and mimic the Kansas City Chiefs because you don't have Travis Kelsey, because you don't have Patrick Mahomes, because you don't have Tyreek Hill. So they're the outlier. They're kind of like the Patriots were, you know, years and years ago. They're the outlier. They're the identity. Everybody else right now is just trying to find themselves and keep up. But that's why I love the Kansas City Chiefs. And that's why I love Andy Reid. Because that team, especially on offense, is a direct reflection of who Andy Reid is. And that's an important thing to think about when you're hiring your next head coach here in Jacksonville. Whoever you hire. Obviously, the, the 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 resume process, the interview process, that all has to go swimmingly. But after that, you have to ask yourself, can we get the best out of this guy, and can that guy in turn reflect what he wants on this team's identity? If you can answer yes, then you got yourself a coach. If you're on the fence about it, then go someplace else. I just walked back in. Sorry. Yeah, you did. Make it's all good. Phone calls. Um, what I I have this concern about Eric B. Enemy. Okay. You love you like Eric Bieniemy? I do. What do you like about him? I like the fact that he's an offensive-minded coach. I like the fact that he's an innovator. I like the fact that he's an outside-the-box thinker. And I like the fact that he comes from a culture um, of Andy Reid where he knows how it works. And you see, you sense that the players love him. Uh, the players respect him in Kansas City. And I think if the Jaguars can have half the respect for the Kansas City Chiefs that they have respect for Eric Bieniemy, you might have something special here. Are you at all afraid of the tree stuff with Belichick that hasn't worked out and now with Reed, although Reed has had Peterson, who obviously won himself a Super Bowl. And, mm-hmm. and there, I, I think Reed has had more success with his tree, if I'm not mistaken, uh, than than uh, Belichick has. Uh, I don't know exactly who else. I, I know Peterson's the one that sticks out because it's most recent. But yeah. I think there are other examples. Uh, uh, is Nagy on that tree? Nagy's on the tree. Okay, yes. so I wouldn't call that a resounding success story. Uh, but. So we got Sean McDermott's on the tree. Okay, that's who else was on the John, John Harbaugh's on the tree. Um, John Gruden's on the tree, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, John way Gruden's, back in the day, yeah. John Gruden's on that tree. Ron Rivera's on that tree. Really? Rivera's on the tree. Dirt Cutter's on that tree. Um, Norm Child, but I don't think he's coaching anymore. No. Uh, that's about it. Uh, those are the big names. Okay. Uh, so that's a way better tree. <laughs> than, yeah. That's a good tree. Yep. Well, <laughs> and, and let's keep in mind, right? Like I that's say, a big tree. it's a big tree. <laughs> it's a big tree. Um, the story. <laughs> that story goes all the way back to like when I was a kid and my buddy and I were playing golf and a guy that was playing golf with them. Like, that's a big tree. <laughs> like it must've been like right in front of his shot or something. Yeah. I got you. So <laughs> listen, 
this Andy Reid coaching sheet that I'm reading off, yeah, you take that all day. I mean, it absolutely trumps Bill Belichick's coaching tree. Yeah. Not even close. But, like, I'm not saying Biennemi is going to come. If, if the Jaguars chose to go with Biennemi, Biennemi is not going to come in here and be the next Andy Reid, right? No. He's his own man. Like, yeah, for yeah. instance, John absolutely. Harbaugh and Andy Reid, could they be any different? No. Sean McDermott, Andy Reid, could they be any different? Ron Rivera. But But here's the fact. They've seen it work, though. They understand Andy Reid's coaching philosophy. And one of the most important things, which I preached about on this show many, many times, is the fact that Andy Reid is comfortable in his own skin, and he's himself. Players appreciate that. Right? Like John Harbaugh, he ain't a player-friendly coach, per se, but he knows who he is. Sean McDermott knows who he is. Ron Rivera knows who he is. That goes a long way. Okay, so my concern about the enemy is, is less about the tree part. And more about Ron Rivera, I felt like, in control. You know, I'm, I'm after this right now. John Harbaugh, in control. He's the guy, right? Yeah, he's course. He's the figure. Yeah. Andy Reid, he's the figure. Is Now, I guess McDermott would fit in this. And oh, he's, he's definitely and he's the after, guy. Well, yeah, but I don't know. I don't know if I look at Buffalo and I'm like, oh, McDermott. Oh, Brent. Well, I know, well, I know he, he is came the in, guy. He turned that culture around, I man. I know he is okay. the guy. He's done an okay. unbelievable job. But yeah. when I say the Buffalo Bills, it's the first thing you think of, oh, yeah, McDermott. Or do you think more of this probably great synergy between what they're doing with Dayball and McDermott and the See, GM, you know? I feel like yeah. it's more like by committee. Listen, I know they have a high-powered offense, but when you still say Buffalo, I think of physicality and, and winning in the trenches, and McDermott ex- okay. exudes that. Fair enough. So, But my question on Enemy is not his offensive genius, wisdom, whatever you want to call it, okay. is can he be that? Can he be that guy that I'm saying everything revolves around the enemy? Can he be that? He's never done it before well, in the, that capacity. No. So can he be? Can he be this bigger than a life figure yeah. here in Jacksonville as the head man or well, wherever he is? Listen, goes? I don't think you have to be the bigger than life guy. That's Trevor Lawrence's job. Like if you look at these guys who've had success, whether it's McDermott, whether it's John Harbaugh, whether it's Andy Reid or Ron Rivera, what do they all have in common? They had great quarterback play and John yeah. Gruden as well, right? So if you have the quarterback there. It takes care of itself. Yeah, fair enough. I'd be enemy, by the way. I'm not like opposed to be enemy. I'm just mm-hmm. I, that question came up to me today. It was like, okay, I'm I'm talking about all these identities, and my identity is Reed and Harbaugh and yeah. Belichick and McVay. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I feel that with be enemy. Like, could I feel that with be? I don't know. Maybe he is that. I just don't know him well enough. Listen, at the end of the day, I've kind of stated that I'd like a defensive guy, possibly. But if the Jaguars got the enemy, I would not be upset with that at all. I would I celebrate that. I wonder if he's tops on the list for anybody in Jacksonville, really. I, I would figure I he mean, would be. I think he's tops on the list in any job, really. Yeah, he's I mean, I think obviously he's, the, he's been a big candidate for yeah. them, and uh, we'll see what happens. All right, hey, more to come. Uh, I do want to get into some other topics like Kyle Trask, what he has to say about the Heisman. Should he even play in this bowl game? Let's do that when we come back on ESPN 690. You know, there's been a lot of adversity, to say the least. But, you know, that's what makes um, playing football so special is you have the opportunity to, you know, overcome adversity every single day. And, you know, this is just another hurdle for us. And I think um, the coaches and the training staff, they all did a great job of putting together a great plan for us to, you know, conquer this COVID and to be able to have the opportunity to play this season. And, you know, the players, you know, they bought into uh, what they were saying and that's how we were able to play so many games this year. That is Kyle Trask, Gators quarterback. If you were Kyle Trask, would you play in the bowl game against Oklahoma? You've got guys opting out, right? Uh, Kyle Pitts and, you know, uh, just across the board. Forget about just Gators. But if, if you're 
of all years to opt out of a bowl game, this is actually uh, if you if you're not for it, you know, like when Leonard Fournette and other players have done it, which I understand it by the way. I I, I think that's a tough thing. I, I think it's a tough thing to wrestle. Uh, I actually think players are a little more apt to maybe stay in them this year because it rolls right into bowl season. You don't have that big, long layoff. So you basically just keep going. Because I think the layoff is scary from an injury standpoint. Mm -hmm. But I also understand, well, okay, this has been a weird year. It's the holidays. My season's done. i got to focus on the pros. Mm -hmm. So you're going to get a lot of opt-outs, I mean, which I think you will from these bowl games. And, and that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Kyle Trask has done... So much. I mean, the the year has been unbelievable. Are you surprised that he says, uh, basically just said today, I'm 100% in, I'm playing in the bowl game? Yeah. Uh, any, any, if you were advising Kyle Trask, would you say, hey, man, I know you want to play. Of course, everybody wants to play. You, bet, you finish off this great year, <laughs> but this might be a smart thing to to not play. Go ahead. Uh, be more specific about how I'm advising. Like, am I his you're agent? Not a, yeah, you're not his play. You're not a player. You're, you're just someone close okay. to him, right? Like, yeah. and saying, hey, listen, I'm just looking to your best interest. I'm a neutral guy in your best interest. I, okay. And I've, and listen, you've, you come from the point of, hey, I've been an athlete. Like, mm -hmm. I want to play every game every time they, they, they kick that thing off. Yeah. Right? Would you say, hey, there's not a lot of risk here. It's okay to play. You got plenty of time if something does go wrong. You're you're not well, that beat up. You're in pretty healthy shape right now. Mm -hmm. Like what what would you say? To Listen, him? there's there's always a risk of getting hurt, right? Of course. Every time you cross those white lines, there's always a risk that hey, it, it might be your last time for a while. So you can't be naive and think that you're Superman because you're not. It's the game of football. It's a very physical um, brand of sport. With that being said, though, and me being a former athlete and me playing college football, like if I had the opportunity to say, hey, you know what, you either play in your last game or you know you're going to go to the NFL draft, I'm playing my last game. Because especially in Kyle Trask's perspective, like his story is a different story. He didn't come in the man. He came in and he had to mind his time. He had to put the work in. Um, he was kind of the underdog, and he got what he wanted. So with that being said, Kyle Trask, this is your moment, man. Like, this is, you know, this is your last guard. And I get it. Not all your teammates are going to play with you. I think Kyle Pitts has announced that he's sitting out. Mm -hmm. So not all your teammates are going to be there. But I tell them, go out there and play. Because cause you, you've earned this moment. Right? You're not playing the SEC championship game. You're not. I mean, you lost that. You're not playing in the college football playoff. But you're playing your last game as a Florida Gator. So go out there. Have fun. Don't worry about getting hurt, obviously. Because that's when you do get hurt. And just let it rip. Is there anything with with the idea of Fields and Trey Lance and, and Zach Wilson and obviously Trevor Lawrence, anything from this advisory role that I put you in yeah. that would say, hey, man, go do it again. Go back to school and do it again. Back to school. Uh, go, I mean, listen, you're, mm -hmm. you're going to be right now, if they pick five or six quarterbacks in the first round, you'll be a first rounder. You're probably not going to get by the second round. But come on, next, come do this again. Next year, you might be a top 10 pick. You know, I mean, yeah. there is grain, <laughs> ground to be gained for, well, for Kyle Trask. Not a lot of it. Yeah. And, and by the way, he loves, I'm assuming he loves playing at, at the University of Florida. And, and he is still somewhat raw and, you know, green, even though he looks so experienced and, and he's played so excellent. I mean, he has not played a ton of football. Mm -hmm. So would it hurt him to stay another year? Uh, or is that ludicrous? I mean, just be like, no, nah, man, go get it. You you can't do better than you did this year. I mean, to me, if you know you're going first round, 
I'm I'm gonna say it's it's probably best to go to the draft then, right? Like we saw Justin Herbert do this a couple years ago, right? I mean, and to be fair, he's having some pretty moderate success right now in the NFL. So it's up for debate, and it really depends too of how that next year's class is looking. But at the same time, like I remember reading like the whole draft articles last year uh, about them predicting who's gonna be the next big quarterback in college football, and obviously they said Trevor Lawrence, and obviously Justin Fields is up there, and Trey Lance is up there. But I didn't see a lot of Zach Wilson, and I also didn't. I saw a lot of Kellen Mond from A and M. Are people talking about Kellen Mond right now in the NFL draft? Are they? No. Okay. So, so you can go backwards. So it's not yeah. always foolproof. All yeah. right. So with that being said, I would tell him if you know you're going in the first round, then you go. Because like next year right now, I can see uh, the cat from um, UNC, the quarterback. Oh, Sam Howell. Sam yeah. Howell. I mean, I think there's hype around him. I think Oregon's got a decent quarterback. There'll be hype around him. But it's just hype. We'll see what happens. But it's never going to be perfect. There's always going to be guys that are competing with you. So if you can go first round, get that first round money, and it's guaranteed, then so be it, man. Go first round and have some fun. 46 total touchdowns, 43 touchdown passes, 4,125 yards, 375 yards passing per game. And Kyle Trask was the second team All-SEC quarterback. You got to win, man. You got to win. Not saying it's right. Who got more snubbed, Kyle Trask or James Robinson? Uh, I said again. Uh, (laughs) Who got more snubbed? Ooh, uh, James Robinson. I don't even know if more snubbed is a phrase. More snub, it is now. It is. It is now. I'd say James Robinson. More snubbing. What do you think? Careful. I I feel like James Robinson because Josh Jacobs I don't think earned it over Robinson. Mm-hmm. I do think Mac Jones you can make the case has earned it with his play. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I don't see a negative play from Mac Jones. I think people are missing that point and getting lost in the numbers. And by the way, if Trask was the first team, I'd say well-earned, well-deserved, too. But if you're looking for a reason why Mac Jones may be instead, even though he didn't have those kind of sick numbers, he didn't make the mistakes I think Trask also did make at times during this year. I guess that would be my reasoning. I don't know that's going to make you happy, but it's not going to be the reasoning. We'll be back an hour to go. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com. 